friends, I'm Anna, and you're listening to A Soft Existential Crisis, a podcast where I reflect on how I'm trying to doggy paddle my way to self-acceptance, and maybe even happiness. Welcome back! Today is a unique episode because it's a Q&A with my dad, aka psychiatrist Dr. Kim, um hello hello anna hi everybody if you could introduce yourself and tell us what exactly is a psychiatrist so my name is unha kim anna's dad i am a psychiatrist a psychiatrist is a physician specializing in mental illnesses and and then and, and uh, treatment for such uh, illnesses I, within psychiatry, there are different branches, and I happen to specialize in consultation psychiatry and geriatric psychiatry, meaning I see a lot of older folks, and I see uh, uh, patients on, on medical floors who are uh, neuropsychiatrically affected, um, either due to medical illnesses or because of uh, comorbidities. So you work in a hospital setting? I work in a medical hospital setting. And is that um, common for a psychiatrist? Like what are other places that they, what other kind of contexts do they work in? So there are child psychiatrists. There are a substance, ad- a substance addiction psychiatrists. And then there are um, research psychiatrist, and there are outpatient uh, office type psychiatrists who are typically portrayed as psychiatrists. Cool. So we have some um, questions sent from listeners that um, I think everyone would be interested in. Um, the answers to. Um, there's several here, so I'm gonna start with um, I think what uh, is a common question. Why is anxiety so common? So anxiety is both a symptom or sign and a disease itself. We all have anxiety. Anxiety is a signal from the brain that something stressful is happening. So a mild form of anxiety is always a a sign that is preparing your body for uh, an impending uh, um, stressful situations. So anxiety is a good thing, but if it's too much or, or if it's overwhelming or it's, if it's chronic, then it can uh, uh, distract you and it can impair your function um, in this society. So like your day-to-day um, activities and tasks will be affected? Right. So are your relationships, if the anxiety is overwhelming. Um, but this means that a certain baseline of anxiety is, ver- is normal and healthy. 
Yes, it is. And we all have to have anxiety for survival. It, we have evolved to benefit from a certain amount of anxiety. But for some individuals who are genetically disadvantaged or who grow up uh, traumatized, anxiety can be uh, too much to handle. So a healthy form of uh, warning uh, can, can become uh, uh, detrimental uh, to your overall functioning. Next question, when does medication come into the equation? So that's a good question. Um, I often give a, a, an analogy using another specialty because it's much easier that way. Let's suppose you have high blood pressure. Suppose your blood pressure is mildly elevated. Your doctor will tell you, well, lose your weight, exercise, watch your diet, meditate, etc., etc., which is very akin to a psychiatrist telling a patient with a mental, mild form of mental illness to do the same, exercise, uh, stress management, eat well, lose your weight, meditate, etc. But if the blood pressure is just too high, no matter what you do, the blood pressure will not come down. That's when medication needs to be given. Same thing with the mental illness. When all those things I just mentioned fail to help, that's when medication needs to be strongly considered. Um, and just a follow-up question to that. So it's not... I feel like a lot of people have a fear of... Um, taking medication because of the stigma or there's not a lot of um, common knowledge about it. Um, what would you say to people who maybe could benefit from medication but um, have a real fear of the side effects or the long-term consequences and um, what would you say, you know, people who would benefit from medication but who are maybe putting it off out of fear, what would you say to them? I think, first of all, uh, we need to realize that the, uh, the, the mental illness is a disease of the brain, just like uh, heart disease is a disease of, of the heart, and the blood pressure, high blood pressure is a disease of the uh, cardiovascular system or a seizure disorder is again another form of brain disease. Interestingly enough, people with seizure disorder have a lot of mental illnesses. So one needs to realize a mental illness is a disease of the brain. And once you realize it, uh, then once again, uh, think about other analogies that we can uh, 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 use to to help understand why medication uh, is beneficial. Um, you know, we all have fears of mental illness because it's not just not known enough. Uh, you know, uh, think of uh, the command tower of your whole being is being uh, uh, diseased. That's a terrifying uh, concept to accept. That's why often mental illness is. Uh, ignored or stigmatized. 
in throughout the human history, uh, when a disease is unknown and terrifying, we tend to uh, react to it emotionally, just as AIDS was, just as cancer was, just as leprosy was. Um, so, once again, uh, it's heartbreaking uh, seeing folks in denial of, uh, of mental illness and uh, refusing medication because they're just suffering unnecessarily. Researches and uh, experience have shown that uh, medication can really benefit and improve uh, quality of life. Of course, you always have to think of uh, or consider pros and cons of uh, benefits versus uh, side effects. That's why uh, psychiatrists are there to help uh, patients choose the right uh, uh, therapeutic modality. Um, that's a good fa- uh, segue into the next question. Is um, So a lot of people come to choose a site or come to see a psychiatrist from a recommendation via their therapist um but how when you're first realizing that there may be something that's just not right with you and you're taking your first steps into like considering um treatment how do you go about choosing a therapist you mean a psychiatrist uh, choosing a psychiatrist or choosing no before the psychiatrist step I see so like your first step into into um, maybe exploring your mental health and mindfulness um, because I feel like not many people go straight to the psychiatrist You know, if you have a good relationship and trusting relationship with your family practitioner or primary care physician, that's probably the best way to go about inquiring about seeing a therapist or counselor. Or by by the word of mouth uh, of your uh, trusted uh, friends or family members, that's another option. Um, Or you can always go on the uh, the list of uh, therapists provided by your insurance company and making sure that they have good references. And I feel like based on my experience, it's not um, an easy process. So do you expect that there is like sort of a, a while of a vetting period till you find what you think is the right match and maybe what are some signs that um, the therapist isn't maybe quite right for you. Right, so there's the, uh, uh, there has to be the right fit between the, the patient and the therapist. And uh, f- usually you will f- get the feeling on your first session um, if you feel uncomfortable, then it's usually a sign that you should move on to somebody else. Um, you know, depending on who you are, uh, a, a warm therapist might be too frightening to you, or a cold and distant therapist might be too 
uh, uh, removed from your point of view. So it really varies per person and their individual personality. Very much so. And also, let's say you're traumatized by a, a parental female figure. And you happen to run into first time a uh, a parental female therapist. You might it might be frightening to you, so they may not be the right uh, therapist to begin with. And also, somebody uh, a therapist who talks about himself or herself, uh, or emphasizes too much on uh, the payment on your first uh, visit. Those are red uh, flags. Um, okay, good things to note when choosing your therapist for the first time. Um, next question is, why do Asians have a taboo about mental health, in your opinion? I think it's probably a matter of uh, uh, education and uh, 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 people... Uh, uh, getting used to the idea of uh, mental illness as a disease. Um, the idea of counseling and uh, psychiatric care have come to Asian culture rather relatively later than the Western culture. So I think it's a matter of time and uh, the Asian folks will uh, gradually warm up to it. Um, I see a lot of first, second, third generation Asian folks uh, not having any problems about this. So, um, again, I think it's a matter of time and uh, uh, getting educated about this. Next question. What can friends do to be good allies to friends with depression? I think understanding and accepting is probably the uh, the most important thing, and uh, being able to listen to what uh, the patient is, the, your friend is going through. When I say listen, I, I do not simply mean hearing or uh, receiving verbal communication. When I say listening, I mean being attuned to your friend's uh, uh, emotional state, uh, being able to read from body language, or why, where the uh, friend is in terms of uh, a depression, etc., etc. So not being critical and being accepting and being able to listen uh, and encouraging and supportive would be very important. So zero judgment language. Of course. Okay, next question is, what is the best way to advise someone to seek mental health when you know they have a stigma about it? For example, someone from an older generation. That's a very difficult uh, uh, task. Um, you know, you can drag the horse to the water, but you cannot make the horse drink the water. The uh, Your loved one with mental illness uh, uh, needs to be willing, should be willing to uh, get the help. But if she or he is uh, uh, in uh, denial, it's 
going to be almost impossible. Now, each state has a mental health code which mandates a person uh, due to mental illness in danger of uh, hurting self or others could be uh, committed against the will to a mental health institution up to a certain amount of days. Hopefully your loved one doesn't have to go that far. But short of that, uh, again, uh, not being judgmental and being supportive and listening well to the, your loved one uh, with mental illness would, uh, would help and hopefully would persuade uh, the individual to seek help um, at the same time uh, when, when it's a family member that you grew up with or grew up under uh, it's very easy to be judgmental and blaming everything on that particular person but keep in mind uh, relationship uh, issues are two-way street it takes two people um, to produce a certain uh, pathologic relationship so as much as uh, you want to you can see the contributing aspect of the person with mental illness to the relationship but also you need to think about uh, yourself as how it may have uh, contributed to the relationship as well next question um what is a way to self-analyze your situation when you are when you are feeling overwhelmed or are spiraling? Um, and this is a three-parter question, so we'll start with part one. That is very difficult task to do because when you are in the fog of uh, mental illness. Uh, it's very difficult for you to be objective. That's why you see a therapist or and see a psychiatrist. That's why uh, in medicine you never treat yourself because you lose objectivity. Hopefully if you don't have a therapist or psychiatrist you have an objective friend that you can trust who can give you feedback in times of uh, difficult situations. And can you describe what the brain is doing in moments of feeling overwhelmed? Um, the brain is basically confused. It's in the fog. Uh, it's unable to often uh, uh, make sound judgment. Um, basically dominates the uh, uh, many aspects of your decision-making and uh, emotional state. Keep in mind that even though we think we make uh, informed and willful judgments and decisions, often those things are uh, almost invariably influenced by our, our emotional state, of which we are often uh, unconscious. Um, so just just be aware that whatever your unconscious emotional state is likely driving your decision-making. And most of the uh, mental illnesses are uh, emotionally heavily uh, 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 pathologized. Um, and keep that in mind and uh, just make sure that you have somebody objective that you can trust uh, is available when you are in the thick of uh, your mental illness. 
Um, but with help, say through therapy, and um, through help with perhaps your psychiatrist, it it is possible. Um, would you say it is possible to be able to learn to be more objective? Of course, uh, it's a it's a learning uh, process. It takes time. Once again, it's not any different from a heart patient learning how to take care of his heart or her heart and uh, adopt a healthy uh, diet and uh, lifestyle, uh, which is basically very analogous to a, a, a mental health patient's. You need to learn about your illness. You need to learn... Uh, to be healthy, emotional, um, physical, and you need to learn about your medication, side effects, uh, uh, read about uh, all these things uh, involved. And the last part of this question is, why would the brain evolve to be overwhelmed? Oh, that's why it's a disease. Um, so it's, it's not, it's just kind of like your brain isn't, working quite quite right because it, it wasn't really supposed to that's get to right that level. that's right it's a pathological state it's not supposed to be that way we are we are all supposed to be happy and healthy uh, from evolutionary point of view and from spiritual point of view as well but when there's a genetic load or when the environment is uh, not health conducive you come down with a disease. Once again, let's say there's a heart disease running in the family and you eat like a pig and you don't exercise and you smoke, you are bound to develop heart disease. Same thing when there's a, a genetic load of mental illness running in the family and you drink and you don't exercise, you don't sleep well, you do drugs and alcohol, you will develop mental illness. Again, you have to think of uh, the balance of uh, genetic load and the context or environment. There's a constant uh, uh, bi-directional uh, uh, interactions between the genetic load and the, uh, the environment. You can't do much about genetic load. Uh, but you can do something about the environment, such as eating healthy, avoiding drugs and alcohol, smoking, and uh, staying fit, and uh, get some help when you are in need, such as therapy, counseling, or medication. And a last question for today's Q&A is, what are ways to help your close loved one from an emotional standpoint if they are battling a critical illness? Um, it's a very broad question. Um, once again, you want to be there to be supportive. Now, at the same time, I'd like to caution you not to be sucked into it and uh, uh, forgetting to take care of yourself. You have to be healthy yourself in order to be the best helper. Um, and hopefully your loved one in need uh, is willing to accept uh, mental health that's out there as well. Um, so just be there 
and perhaps learn about the disease that your loved one is going through and how that's affecting the, your loved one and perhaps how that's affecting the relationship you have with the, uh, the loved one without forgetting your own con- contribution to the relationship as well, whether it's positive or negative. It's hard though when, you know, to talk about this question a little bit, it's, it's hard to say what is the right thing to do when you're in this kind of situation, but I guess um, all we can do is really uh, be as supportive as possible. Without judging. Right. To just, um, to just be there for them without trying to uh, take over and, um, and yeah, just be like a good, a good support system. Um, these are all the questions I have for today's Q&A. Um, if anyone else out there has follow-up questions or would like to ask um, Dr. Kim any more questions, please DM me anytime. Um, And thank you, Dad, for coming on the show and uh, be willing to answer questions today. You're welcome, Anna, and uh, everybody be happy and healthy. Good night. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you next week.